Silence your cell phones now. What's good? Welcome back to the Pop Off Podcast. I'm Ralph Campiano. I'm your host, and this is a monologue show about Succession, the greatest TV show on planet Earth, and its return to form in season four, episode one, titled Monsters. That's right. Logan, Kendall, Shiv, Roman, Connor, Greg, Tom, they're all back and they're in this bitch. And we are starting off with a heavyweight fight of an episode, really a bidding war between Logan and his constituents, Carl, Jerry, Frank, Greg, Tom, Carrie, who's playing a huge role this season, and his opponents, his children, naturally, his bitter rivals since the day that they came out of his nut. Uh, Shiv, Kendall, and Roman uh, forming a company called The 100 is what we open on alongside kind of a counter-programming thing where Logan is having the loneliest birthday party in the world. And I actually want to start there because, I mean, he is just so goddamn sad. Like, he is depending on Carl, a man who is essentially his bodyguard, who he refers to in this episode as his best pal. And he's asking all of these existential rhetorical questions just to escape from his birthday party. On his birthday party, he's asking about Carl. Is there an afterlife? Now, we don't have a lot of dialogue from Carl throughout the first three seasons. For the most part, he is just a looming figure that typically is kind of resem- resembling, um, I don't know, just this like dread of something fucked up is going to happen to somebody when this guy is around. Somebody's going to get fired. Somebody just got killed. Something needs to get covered up. That's what Carl's here for. And that's what Logan sees as his best friend. A guy who just does his job and he does it well and he keeps his mouth shut. Now there's a, a shot where I believe they're walking through Central Park and Logan's walking and he has his hat down and his sunglasses on and this is when he's trying to escape his birthday party. And Carl is walking nine to ten feet behind him. If that's me, if I'm doing that job, personally, I'm checking my phone if it's a 15-minute walk, probably seven to ten times, and I'd be fired after the first day. If Logan Roy caught you, his bodyguard, on his phone, on your phone, scrolling through fucking Twitter, reading succession threads, I mean, he would rip you a new asshole. Like, it would be World War Three in that bitch in the middle of Central Park. But Carl has been doing this for years. And it made me curious, like, how much money does this guy make where he is just keeping all these really dirty secrets to himself? Like, it has to be north of a million dollars, right? I mean, he's got to have a nice luxe apartment somewhere at the heart of New York City. Um, And that's just, you know, what Succession is all about. It's seeing these scenes and all that kind of stuff. But back to the birthday party itself, we see Connor there, Willow, Greg, and Tom. And Greg has brought a date. And Carrie and Logan are not happy about this anonymous date. Uh, Greg says the cousin gets a plus one. He's basically a child. And uh, Carrie laughs that off. And they never really fully addressed it, whether or not she was actually an insider, Greg's date. But we did get a little information about Greg. He's a freak now. He is uh, a matured and become a lot more confident in his sexual abilities and his uh, ability to attract women. So now he's bringing chicks around to Logan's birthday party. So he's also more comfortable in the family circle as comfortable as one can get in the family circle because obviously Logan is always still looming and scaring the living fuck out of people. Um, And yeah, we actually learned something new about Greg in this episode as well when, you know, Logan's like, everybody's so scared of me. Why don't you guys try to roast me at some point? And Greg, he says, you know, where are your children on your birthday? 
And Logan responds in the most Logan way possible. Probably one of the more evil things I've ever heard on TV. Like Tony Soprano level of evil. That just digs deep and hurts. Where's your dad? Is he sucking cock at the county fair? So we learn something about Gray because in the very first episode of season one, we know that he has a mom and that's his end of the family. But we don't know anything about his father. And we don't know the people who raised Greg, how he became this kind of wacky weirdo that likes to smoke pot and, you know, will put on a mascot outfit and throw up on the inside of it. We don't know how he became that way. Um, but apparently he had some daddy issues. And we're not sure if his dad is, you know, um, homos- closeted homosexual. Um, maybe he was a crack addict or something along those lines. But he essentially disappeared from Greg's life. And that's the same way that Logan's kids have disappeared from his life. So there's a smooth transition there for you. Um, through this rough episode for so far, but the hundred, the big three are back. Um, their concept for this company is essentially to combine. I believe they said like Basecamp, Slack. Um, I'm I'm missing it. Those are two websites that I use quite often for work. Of uh, Masterclass is one of them that they mentioned. Um, I don't know, Excel, you know, things of that nature. Just big software companies. They want to combine all of it together, and they want to have the 100 greatest minds producing content for them. And I was thinking about it like, this is actually kind of a fascinating idea if the most trusted sources, most reputable people and geniuses in their field, like let's say like Malcolm Gladwell for, for, for philosophy studies. Um, I don't know. I can't think of really anybody else off the top of my head right now. But people of that nature, like uh, Chuck Klosterman on pop culture, if they all contributed to the same website. Now, that is a grandiose idea and probably impossible to fund all of that. But if there's anybody that can, it'd probably be the Roy children, who are absolutely loaded with assets, as it turns out. And that's where we find out, uh, you know, they're almost in competition with their dad. I, I find it hard to believe that they have more money than Logan because Logan is the head of the empire. He has the biggest share in the company. Um, and he has to be the most liquid as well, I would imagine. Um, but with the selling of Gojo, I think the kids are going to get a healthy stock in that as well. So like they're going to be able to cash out their stocks. They're going to be liquidated there. And they're going to be resigning from Waystar and taking their money with them. Um, so then we go into the bidding war of it all. And forgive me, I am not a financially um, sound person when it comes to this level of things. I can manage my own money pretty decently. I even have troubles with that. Like, like who the fuck doesn't want to get Chipotle three times a week? You know what I mean? But uh, that's where I get a little bit lost in this show, but it doesn't matter. Like the drama, the comedy, all of that is so good that I can look past the aspects of the show that I don't fully understand. I feel the same way about industry. If you like succession, then you should definitely give industry a chance because it's pretty much like if succession and euphoria had a baby. That's how I've always kind of categorized it and defined it. Um, but this bidding war, I think I did a decent enough job of tracking it because it's felt like pretty simple. It felt shockingly simple, actually, that this big of an acquisition, really all it is is a dick measuring contest and a sources contest. Who can get information on what the other party is bidding? So you have Tom and Shiv kind of running point guard on this, or maybe not point guard necessarily, but they are the the owls of communication to Nan Pierce, who I believe we haven't seen since the second season. Um, now, the Pierce family, they have their own media conglomerate that is rival to Logan's media conglomerate. So the metaphor to draw here is Logan and Waystar Roy Coat. That's essentially Fox News, right? Like this is their big corporate entity that is uh, 
has and will determine future presidents based on the kind of things that they put on the news. And then their rival, the Pierce family, I can't remember what theirs is called. It might be PGN or something like that. They're essentially a stand-in for CNN. So there's the, the liberal media versus the conservative media. And Logan wants to buy both, which is really fucking scary and something that was in the back of my head during this episode. If one guy could control both sides. And I'm not sure if that is the case in real life. I don't think that it is. But it's just... You know, the manipulation of the markets, the manipulation of money, the manipulation of politics, and the way that it affects the everyday person who Logan has absolutely zero respect for at this point in his life because he doesn't believe in humanity anymore. That's a scary concept. So I didn't know who I was rooting for in this episode, but when I started to think more and more about that, I was like, he can't own all of this. Like, he will just be way too powerful. He'll have the whole monopoly board of media covered if he gets this. So the other side of it is I'm not sure how much I trust Roman and Kendall and Shiv with their agendas and having that much power over a company as well. So I had a lot of fun with this episode. I thought that the bidding war was exciting. I thought that it was thrilling. I thought that it was competitive. Succession is so much about family and drama and mortality and love and a lack thereof and how you show it and when you show it and why you show it and who doesn't. But it's also about competition. Like at the end of the day, this is a show that I think every athlete ever would just have an attachment to because, you know, there's just so much strategizing in this goddamn thing. I love a lot of other shows like The Sopranos, The Wire, Mad Men, Breaking Bad, and those have their own strategies as well. But this is just such a high level with such stupid people. Like these people are not that smart. Like if we were put in their positions and we had led the li- lived the lives that they have, I find it hard to believe that I wouldn't be, I don't know, a little bit better at this than they are. Like, Kendall's a junkie. Roman consistently brags about how he's going to use an AI machine to jerk off or something. And then Shiv is just over her head. But at the same time, I thought she was actually pretty good in her negotiation with Nan. She appealed to her. And um, Shiv's somebody who I would buy off of. Uh, but that's for totally different reasons. I'm absolutely attracted to that milk. Like, it's unbelievable. She's gorgeous. We don't have to dig too deep into that. Um But the last thing that I want to close this pod with is um, a corner called relationship advice. So at the end of each episode of this show, after we review the episodes, I just want to dig into a relationship. Okay. Now, there's a couple of options here. I feel like the obvious one would probably be Tom and Shiv and the fact that they are completely crumbling and that they gave this a shot and the passive aggression that they have fueled their relationship for the last, what, nine, ten years It's finally dissipating, and it looks like they're going their separate ways. We could do that, but I think it's a little bit more fun to go the route that we haven't talked about, which is Connor and Willow. And Connor and his 1%, which he's holding on to so tightly in his presidential election, asking Willow if he's allowed to have, I mean, what was the fucking term? Bum fights? He wants to have, like, fireworks? He wants to have his wedding underneath the Statue of Liberty for the whole city of New York to see and the whole media because he doesn't want to pay for media anymore i mean willow what are you doing baby like i know that he is a trust fund baby and he's loaded and he's your sugar daddy and he is um a skeleton to key that you can use to unlocking a lot of different aspects of your life you know he funded a play for you or at least logan did uh and that was your dream and it didn't work out you know but there's different avenues for you maybe you go into designing and that and that's a possibility right with connor but good god a hundred million dollars 
on funding for his political image to not be boosted, but just to be maintained at that 1%. Like he's not going to go from 1 to 5 or 1 to 10 even. He's going to be stuck there. And he's his goal is just to have attention and to be in the conversation. Like I love Connor. He's one of my favorite characters in the show. Every time he's on the screen, I know that I'm going to laugh. And that's rare in TV. You don't get that a lot. Even the funniest characters, like Roman will say some things sometimes where I'm like, that was supposed to be funny. Didn't land for me. Now, I love Roman too. Don't get me wrong. But Connor, it's like every punch he throws, it hits me right in the gut. And I just crack up. I crack up. But Willow is, uh, she's milking this cow for all it's worth. And she is not saying it directly, but implying maybe hold on to that 100 mil. Okay? Because... I'm not sure exactly what his financial assets are, especially in comparison to Logan and the rest of the children. But, I mean, he spent a lot of money on an aquifer in the first season. He was talking about how water will be worth more than gold one day. And now he's just kind of this competitive lunatic who can't give up on this pipe dream of being president. Now, knowing succession, there's a good chance that Connor will finesse his way into becoming the president over Jared Mankin who is uh, somebody who will be popping up throughout more in the season because the presidential election is going to be a big theme throughout the season, it seems. Um, but, I mean, Connor and Willow, man, it's uh, it started out as a, um, a prostitution or escort-related relationship, and it has become... <laughs> it has evolved and matured into a relationship that is going to lead to a marriage that might have bum fights, scheduled, coordinated planned and calculated bum fights at their wedding in front of the uh, Statue of Liberty. So you can't get that anywhere but succession, man. This is the best TV show in the world right now. It is one of my three or four favorite shows of all time. Every episode I watch, I know I'm in for an absolute treat. I cannot wait for next week's episode. I will be holding on tight to this podcast and reviewing every episode in detail as much as I can. Hopefully we'll have some guests on as well. Um, but I just had to get this out there, man. I loved this episode. I thought it was a great, great first chapter to the final season. It is the beginning of the end, as sad as that is. But, uh, man, I'm going to hold on to it as tight as I can. I don't know if it's going to be 10 episodes or 9 episodes, but this was a longer episode. I think it was an hour and 10 minutes. So if we could get 80 to 90-minute episodes every week, I will not complain. I'll watch as much of this show as I possibly can. I loved it, and uh, I'm so happy that it's back. Thank you to Jesse Armstrong and all of the creators and Mark Mylod for directing the shit out of this episode. Uh, we will be back next week with another Succession episode, then some more NBA sprinkled throughout this week, and hopefully some rent money on the final four as well. So stay tuned. As always, thank you guys so much for listening. Share it with a friend. If you haven't watched Succession yet, I don't know why you're listening to the show, but fucking binge the living cock out of it. I told our waiter tonight at Johnny's, my mom and I, we told her to fucking watch Succession. Tell everybody to watch this show. It's the best thing on TV, and if you're not watching it, you are missing out if you are a TV lover. Uh, so thank you guys for listening once again. We will see you on the other side. Peace out. Silence your cell phones now.